Has joy departed from your life? What steals it away and how do we get it back? In the second part of my interview with Tom Flaherty, he dives into the topics of our unmet expectations and being too busy. If we're going to give God our leftovers, I'm going to be with God after I do everything. I'm going to give to God after I pay everything else. I'm going to, um, then, then there will be no place for God. And here's Martha. She loves Jesus. She serves Jesus, but she's got the bad part. Mm. Here's, let, me, let me define the bad part to you. Serving Jesus and no longer enjoying Jesus. Believing all the right things, but no longer experiencing them. That interview and more is coming up on this episode of Come Alive. You come alive. You come alive. You come alive. You come alive. Are you ready to come alive? You just tuned into the podcast keeping you up to date on church news, ministry developments, and positive words to get you fired up for the week. And now, here is your host, Pastor Dave Hall. Welcome back to the Come Alive podcast. I'm looking forward to the second part of the interview with Pastor Tom Flaherty. And just a couple of reminders, Lighthouse has a prayer and worship night every second and fourth Wednesday of the month. And we just encourage you to join us for that as we seek the Lord, as we pray for each other, pray for needs within the church, and uh, look to God for uh, for wisdom and strength uh, as we move into the future. Uh, we do have a capital campaign program. It's called Building a Foundation of Faith, Family, and Community. And as many of you know, we need about $150,000 for phase one. And our current balance in the campaign fund is a little over $13,000. So just an encouragement and a reminder to continue to seek the Lord for what he would have you give for that. We're looking forward to the improvements we're going to be able to make uh, to increase ministry capacity at Lighthouse and uh, create that invitational spirit to the community around us. And you can give anytime in person or online for that. In person, just use the envelope and memo at Capital Campaign. And if online, you can access the giving tab on our website, lccfdl.us. Well, this month in March, we've begun a new sermon series called Marked, Called by the Savior. And you can catch up on all the sermons from previous weeks on the Come Alive podcast. Well, we all want to pray more, don't we? I mean, we see the value of that. But have you ever had a tough time praying or knowing what to say? Well, let's listen to Michael Jr. as he relates some of these awkward moments praying for others. I remember going to church as an adult, right, for the first time when I started going to church. And I would walk in, and the pastor was like, he said, I want you to pray with your neighbor. And I'm like, well, my neighbor don't go to this church. I don't know if you need You want me to call my neighbor on the phone? That's creepy. I ain't going to do that. Right, then they explained to me, right, your neighbor is a person sitting next to you. Listen, I'm brand new at this Christian stuff. I don't... Not, I didn't even know you're supposed to pray out loud, let alone with this lady. I don't even know this lady. What am I supposed to pray about? 
Lord, help these bumps go down on this lady's face. I don't know what to, what to pray about. I don't know what I'm supposed to pray about, right? She went first. She was praying all good. and She must have been John the Baptist's little sister or something. <laughs> she was like, dear Heavenly Father, you said in your word in the sixth chapter, the third, third verse of the book of Matthew, the 601st word on page 1248. <laughs> Lord, you said, but seek. S is in search. E is in everywhere. E is in excellent. K is in kingdom. You're the Alpha Nisi, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha. I'm thinking, man, she even know his nicknames. <laughs> now it's my turn to pray, right? But I don't got the spiritual vocabulary to just, but I'm not gonna let her out pray me. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, God, first of all, you are good people. You know, you are good, Lord, you are good. You were good to the last drop, Lord. Because, um, Lord, I, I just got to obey my thirst, Lord. You know, because choosing moms choose Jesus. So, Lord, because, you know, as the, as the rocket's red glare, Lord, it gave proof to the night, Lord. I believe I can fly, amen. Tom Flaherty was ordained a full-time ministry over 30 years ago, joining the staff of what was then Madison Gospel Tabernacle. He went on to pastor churches in Faustin and Montevideo, Minnesota. Now, Pastor Tom has been the lead pastor of City Church since 2010 and has written seven books, which you can find on Amazon. Among the titles are One Thing, True Ascent, The Find, and Raising Hell. He and his wife, Alice, live in Madison, Wisconsin, and have four adult children. Well, I was able to speak with Pastor Tom about joy killers, those things in our lives that can attack and destroy the life that God intends for us as followers of Christ. I'm sure as you listen, you're going to find one or two that really resonate with you. So let's drop in on this conversation I had with Pastor Tom Flaherty from City Church. All right, the third one is being too busy and busyness. And man, I mean, I don't think there's a person on this planet um, that doesn't struggle with this. I remember one time you were talking about, well, you gave the quote from, Bil from Bilbo Baggins um, that <laughs> it's too little butter spread over too much bread. And just that kind of like weariness of expending ourselves from within ourselves. And so we just empty of all the resources we've tried to fill up on and, and we're just, we're at the end. And how busyness can just, can just lay us out. And yeah. how does that impact us? Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you, you have been distracted by your many preparations, but Mary has chosen the good part. It will not be taken from her. Mary is sitting at the Lord's feet, beholding his presence. The one thing is actually a reference to Psalm 27.4, that David said, one thing have I desired, one thing am I seeking after to dwell in your presence, to behold your beauty, to, to listen to your word or, or meditate on your ways. And this is, Jesus says, the good part. And uh, it's, 
it, that's the best translation. That's the NASB. The NIV says that he's chosen that which is best, but it literally means part, as in parts of a whole. What Jesus is implying is that Martha has the bad part. Mm-hmm. And there is a good, the best version of you and I. And the best version of you and I is us making our identity in Jesus and in his opinion alone. And that is the place where the, the river flows. That is the place, that, that, that is the, the, where the beauty of God and the ease of God and the river of God flow very easily. And most Christians do, are not experiencing the good part. And, and uh, they are, most Christians are like Martha. And, and it's funny about Martha because Jesus says these words, Mary has chosen the good part. Well, Martha never thinks she's chosen. She doesn't think there is a choice. She thinks she's a victim. I am a victim of my life. So I've got too many things to do. I've got too many responsibilities. I've got, somebody's got to make the dinner. Somebody's got to do the dishes. Somebody's got to wipe the kid's diaper or, or butts. Somebody's got to pay the bills. And, and so we kind of resent Mary. And, and it would be, I'd love to be Mary. And, and Jesus is saying to Martha, you got a choice. You have a choice. In fact, if you don't make that choice, you will not get the one thing. Why? Because everything in this world militates against us. (laughs) There's always more to do. If we're going to give God our leftovers, I'm going to be with God after I do everything. I'm going to give to God after I pay everything else. I'm going to, um, then, then there will be no place for God. And here's Martha. She loves Jesus. She serves Jesus, but she's got the bad part. Here's, let me define the bad part to you. Serving Jesus and no longer enjoying Jesus. Believing all the right things, but no longer experiencing them. Mm, where that relational component is just dead. It's just gone. It's just gone. And it's just because you thought there were many things necessary. There's not many things necessary. Mm-hmm. There's one thing necessary, and that's to, to sit at his feet and let God define you. Here's the secret, okay? And this is why people don't get into the one thing. The reason why Martha doesn't ask Mary to help her, Mary, why don't you help me, is because she no longer has any control over Mary. Mary is completely defined by Jesus. The only way Mary's going to do something is if Jesus tells her to. Martha can't use guilt and her disappointment and her expectations. And we've... To, to choose the one thing, you have to stop living for everybody else's expectations and everybody else's definition of you and everybody else's disappointment in you. Good people, Christian people, your parents, your children, everybody's got an agenda for you. The Democrats have an agenda for you. The Republicans have an agenda for you. The, every, everybody's got an agenda for you. And you, you just have to be unmoved by any of that. And here's the power of it, bro, is if, if God gives you your identity then people can't take it away. Mm. They didn't give it to you, so they can't take it away. But if, but if you get your identity from people yeah. and from pleasing people, then they can take it away. And so all of a sudden your joy becomes victim to what everybody else thinks about you and what everybody else is expecting from you and, and all of these responsibilities that you have because people think that you should do this, this, and the other thing. Truth is, there's only one person you have to please, and that's Jesus. He's actually pretty easy to please. <laughs> My burden is light, you know. The yoke is- <laughs> yeah, 
Well, he said, and that's why it was light. He said, here's, he gave us how he lived his life. He gave it in John 5, 19. I only do what I see the father doing. Mm. I don't wake up in the morning thinking about demons. I don't think about the world problems. I'm not, I'm not carrying all this. I am walking with God and I'm, I'm pleasing God. And that's enough. Yeah. I, and, and so anyway, um, I remember one time you said, um, the need is not the call. The call. Yeah. The call. Yes. And, and sometimes we look around and, and it becomes so reactionary. It's like, oh, here, here's something I got to do and I should and I should and I should. Here's another need. How am I going to do that? How am I going to find enough within me? And we just wear ourselves out without stopping to say, well, what is God? What is God doing? And what is God asking of me? And how do I respond to that? And not to all the other stuff. Oh, when we make ourselves judge and savior we are going to live a very, very troubled, distracted life because it's pride. It's just, it's just pride. It, 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 David, David said, my eyes are not haughty, my heart is not proud, and I don't involve myself in matters that are too great for me. I refuse to take God's part. I have calmed and quieted my own soul. It is natural for us to put ourselves up as judge, and we know what's wrong with everybody, and as Savior. Now I know what, what needs to be done, and we, usually we try to get somebody else to do it, but we, we, there's so much arrogance in our current culture, it's why there's very little rest. <laughs> yes, man, yeah. That's and, and so you, you can only do it for yourself, but we, we need to calm and quiet our souls mm. and become like a weaned child on its mother's lap where we, we are resting just being with God, weaning ourselves away from having to judge everybody and save everybody. And then, I, and then I'm God's helper. God, Jesus is the savior of everybody. You've got a need and you'd like me to be involved. Well, I'll certainly pray about it, but I'm not supposed to meet every need. I can't meet every need. If you follow needs, you're going to burn out. It's the, the problem is, is you're putting the second commandment in front of the first. When, when, when loving my neighbor is first, you will burn out because the engine of loving your neighbor is loving God first. Mm -hmm. yeah. You keep the first commandment first. You choose the one thing because it is the one thing. Because the second will flow naturally from the first because God loves people. God will involve you in people. He'll, he'll involve you in real needs. Just not every need. And you will be tested in that because human beings tend to overreach because, I mean, some personalities, some personalities want to save the world. And so they're set, they're set up for burnout. Okay, last one, unmet expectations, the last joy killer here today. And um, I remember you were talking about uh, regarding this unmet expectations, John the Baptist from yeah. uh, Matthew 11. And, and just that whole, that whole dialogue that was going on and everything going on in John's heart. Here he's in prison. Um, you know, he, it's just an incredible passage, really, because John was, you know, he's preparing the way for Christ. All these amazing things happen. Um, and, and now John's near the end. He's in prison. Um, he's basically on death row and he sends, he sends his disciples and it's interesting because so even now it's like John's got his disciples, Jesus has his disciples, John's disciples are also trying to figure out what's going on. So John sends his disciples to Jesus and he says, you know, ask Jesus, are, are you the one? Like, did I make a mistake? I thought it was going to look a little differently. Talk about unmet expectations and how that figures into killing our joy. It's almost impossible to not 
have an idea of how God's going to do stuff or how God should do stuff. And I mean, John the Baptist is, he's a chosen vessel. He's totally lived for God his whole life. He, he's been told that he's got the spirit of Elijah on him. And of course, Elijah was supernaturally saved in every circumstance. And um, Elijah never died. He went directly to heaven. And, and so John doesn't know exactly how it's going to end, but he assumes when he confronts Herod about Herodias and that relationship that he's going to be supernaturally protected. And then, then he goes to prison and, and, and of course he's thinking that that'll be a short stay and that he'll be supernaturally delivered somehow from prison. And, and so, but here he is in prison. And I just, I love this example because John is such a great guy. He's so amazing. And if it can happen to John, it can happen to you and me. He's alone. He's in prison. COVID is a type of prison. He's in darkness. And this is not what he expected. And so he starts doubting everything. And so he sends his disciples to, to ask, are you, are you the one? And, and what's so beautiful about this passage, Jesus says this, go and tell John. It's a very specific word just for John. It's a rhema. And he quotes Isaiah 61, which is the consummate Messiah passage. <laughs> that the, the, the dead are going to live and the blind are going to see and the good news is going to be preached to the poor. And, and, and Jesus says, you go tell John that I'm the fulfillment of Isaiah 61. And then he adds this, blessed is he who is not offended by me. John is at risk as every single one of us is at risk of being offended by the way God does stuff, by the way our lives are playing up. This isn't the life I signed up for. This isn't where I thought it was gonna go. Okay, okay, I will grab that. Are you going to be offended with God or are you gonna make an adjustment? This is what happened to Elijah, the original Elijah in the cave. He's got an expectation that revival's gonna fall and he's called down fire and then Jezebel wants to kill him and he's like, I'm done, man, take my life. I'm, I can't do this anymore. And once again, God comes himself. God will never send you to that cave of desolation. Horror means desolation, but he will always follow you there. And he starts questioning, why are you here? What are you doing here? And he, t he t tells him how mad he is. And I'm the only one left. I'm the only one. I had this expectation, God. I've been working my butt off for you and you're not doing anything. That's what he's basically saying to God. I'm doing all the work. You're doing nothing. And God speaks to him. He whispers to him. And he says, okay, for starters, just because you can't see I'm doing stuff doesn't mean I'm not doing stuff. There's like 7,000 you don't even know about. I'm doing a lot more than you think I am. Two, I've got a plan for Jezebel. I've, I've go out and anoint Jehu. I've, I've got a plan for revival. Go out and anoint Elisha. Just because it's not all happening through you doesn't mean it's not going to happen. There is a bigger plan. Yes. But what I want you to do is I've anointed you to leave this cave because you're not helping anybody in this cave called discouragement, depression, offense. I, I need you to leave your offense and I need you to go out and anoint the people I tell you to anoint. Let me run the kingdom. Let me, let me run 
the kingdom. You just obey me. Elijah ended well. Just ended well. Whether you get resurrected or whether you die in prison, we can end well. We don't get to decide what our end is or what our life is going to look like. But we do decide whether we're going to be offended by God or whether we're going to lay out all of our expectations down and say, God, you are my prize. Yes. You are my prize. Whether pleasure or in pain or my life, I give you rain. And that's where your joy has to be. That's so beautiful. And what keeps coming back to me as we've talked here today is just that God's calling on our lives. It's a higher calling and that higher calling is him. You know, it's like it's centered around him. And if we can get that right, if we can recognize and remember how great a God we serve and, and, and that's kind of that, the beginning of that inspiration where now we can be filled with his spirit. We can be filled with his resources and we can get our mind right. You know, we can, we can see, begin to see the things the way God sees them. We can see what God's doing around us. And that brings joy. I keep thinking, you know, the more we get wrapped up in ourselves and in our own fears and anxieties, yeah, the, the, the more um, inward turn we become, the more, the more limited we see ourselves, the more separated we become from the Father's love, and the more ineffective we become. And then we're sidelined. We're we're not we're not active in the kingdom. We're kind of we're passive. We're we're yeah. we're, we're, yeah. we're holding things closely, and and so stuff is not flowing. God's not able to use us. And it's like God's saying, "Here, I've got this wide invitation, and and come, come and receive grace. Come and receive love. Come and receive my calling because it's the highest calling, and that calling is none other than the one thing." It's yeah. that, that's such a beautiful truth. It's simple, um, it's powerful, but it takes surrender, doesn't it? I mean, we've got to come back to that place. Well, well, and, and it's it's our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And so a, a Christian filled with joy is going to be weak <laughs> and, and, and going to be inactive. And and it's uh it's interesting to me, David, Jesus, this is this is John 15, 11. He says these things. I have spoken to me so that my joy might be in you and that your joy might be full. Jesus says in Hebrews 1 that he was anointed with the oil of joy above everybody else in the human race. There was no one more joyful than Jesus. And he said, the plan was this, that my joy would be in you and that your joy would be full. Now, Dave, he's not talking about heaven. He's saying, this is necessary equipment down here. This is part of what I'm giving you to walk in. And so there is a version of you and I filled with joy. And that's the best version of us. (laughs) It's the version where the river flows. It's the version where we're strong and we're active. It's it's the version where we're not operating in fear and guilt and making everybody else feel, feel, feel guilty to try to get things done. It's just this generous, beautiful, free-flowing spirit, and it is the best version of us. And this is available for every believer. And sometimes we're just living out of just a, a way worse version of ourselves where we're filled with fear or we're filled with guilt or we're filled with self. Um, or filled with pride, and there's there's no joy in any of those. Mm-hmm. Joy is found in His presence, and this idea that I was made for this, I, I was made 
for union with God. I was made for, to, as Paul says in Galatians 2.20, it's no longer me, it's us. <laughs> I'm not doing this alone anymore. I've, I've died to that identity of me doing it for God or me, me doing anything. I'm in Christ now. And, and the one who loved me, the one who gave himself for me. And so I can't think of my identity except being in Christ, with Christ, and we're doing this together now. And that's, that's, that's who we are. Man, so much good stuff, Tom. I, I so appreciate you taking the time to, to go over this. It's given me a lot to, to kind of think on again, and, um, and I know it has for our listeners as well. And that's, that's my prayer, that, that God would just would, would take us, would kind of draw us deeper into this, into these areas of freedom where we don't have to be enslaved by the orphan spirit or entitlement or being too busy or unmet expectations, that you would just keep growing us. And, and so thanks for kind of being a part of that, walking with us through that today. What, would you mind if I prayed for your listeners? I would love that. Lord, I just thank you for everyone that's listening today. Lord, we just, uh, we, we give you our fear, our, our pride. We give you our joylessness. We give you our performance identity. And, and today, Lord, we, we come back and we just marvel at what the gospel is, what your heart is for us. And so, Father, we're not earning anything. We're just entering right now your very presence. Lord, would you untie all of the weights that have taken away joy, the weights of spouses that aren't what we thought they should be or kids that aren't doing what we thought they should do or um, friends that have, Lord, we just give you what everybody else is saying and doing and we get our identity out of all of that. And Jesus, we say, Lord, I'm coming into the party of your love and of your grace and of your favor. Whether anybody else does or not, I'm coming in. And this is going to define me, your love, your favor, your goodness. And I'm going, I'm going to live in the, in the middle of this world that is so dark right now. And I'm, I'm going to live in your presence. And if I'm in a prison right now, if I'm on Patmos right now, I'm not just going to be in Patmos. I'm going to be in the spirit on the Lord's day. And I'm, I'm going to, to be filled with the great cause, which is Jesus, you yourself, not being delivered from this current prison or this current pain or this current difficulty, but I call you my greatest joy. And I choose, because I can choose, the one thing, to to dwell in your presence, to behold your beauty, and to be defined only by your love and favor for me. Lord, we love you today. Amen. many of us are familiar with The Lord of the Rings from J.R.R. Tolkien. And both the books and the movies created this incredible, detailed world replete with strong biblical imagery. Well, one of my favorite scenes is from the third movie in the trilogy, The Return of the King. And at this moment, things are looking quite bleak for the fellowship who had struck out together on this important mission. But they had catastrophic losses at this point. And, and they're being defeated now at the climactic battle. 
But just as all seemed a total loss, Aragorn the King returns to secure victory against incredible odds. Well, I was reading in Zechariah recently, and chapter 9 is entitled, The Coming of the True King. And this was a difficult time for the Israelites. J. Blake Cooey gives us some of the backdrop, and he writes what's happening here. In 587 BC, the Babylonians had invaded Jerusalem, and they destroyed the temple. They deposed the ruler. They took many Jerusalemites into exile. And some 70 years later, the descendants of the exiles, they begin to return to their homeland. Hopes are running high for the restoration of Judea and the Davidic monarchy. But those dreams never materialized. The foreign kings of Persia, they stayed in charge for another 200 years. And then after that, they were replaced by Greek and then Roman rule. And so Israel is discouraged now, like the fellowship in the Lord of the Rings. They're exhausted, they're pushed back, they're on the verge of defeat. But then we come to Zechariah 9, verses 9 to 10, and it says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. And so Zechariah looks ahead prophetically to the coming of the true king and what was fulfilled in, in the book of Matthew on Palm Sunday. Jesus riding on a donkey into the heart of Roman power in Israel, the city of Jerusalem. And it was this very public announcement of the king soon to bring salvation to the entire world. So when you feel discouraged, when you're exhausted, when you're without hope, when you look around in, at your life and you see defeat after defeat, when you feel like you're out of resources, out of answers, remember, it is not over. There is the promise of the true King, and He is coming. Thanks for joining us today for the latest news and encouraging words from Lighthouse. Rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and now Amazon Music. Just say Alexa, play Come Alive Podcast. I'm Pastor Dave O, and remember, we come alive through the power of Jesus Christ. I'm going to catch you next time on Come Alive. Come on! This has been a Lighthouse Presentation.